This is Behind the Cut with Christopher Grenland, the companion show to Not About Lumberjacks. It's not beyond me to write something for my wife, Cynthia Griffith. And because her birthday is on Halloween and she, like me, loves creepy things, but not necessarily gory horror, October was the perfect month to do something much more light-hearted than Purvis the month before. That damn near scarred some people. I knew I wanted to do a story focused more on sound and dialogue than the usual prose story I do. Cynthia had fun narrating Horace and Standstill, so I wanted to do something we could not only do together, but to play off of each other. Strange audio is the result. We sat down over drinks, black velvets for those into that kind of thing and wondering, to discuss the episode. So Cynthia, what did you think when I came to you with the idea for Strange Audio. Well, I'm honestly surprised it took you that long. How many times do people tend to do spooky little stories over the recorders, you know, back when we were growing up? So it amazed me that you hadn't done something like this yet. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of surprised too, because this was really the first actual audio drama that I've done. Yeah, I I know sometimes you start kind of dipping your toe into that just past reading a story sort of um, format, but I guess it really did cross completely over to audio drama on this story. Definitely. It's no secret that this story is based on the TV show Ghost Hunters. How did the little tip of the hat to the show, as well as playing on some of my skepticism, work out for you? <laughs> yeah, it's... I'm actually not really big into, as as he mentioned, I'm not really into scary stuff. When autumn starts coming around, one of my favorite things to do is to watch Ghost Hunters. And um, every once in a while, another kind of spooky little story that's more like just, you know, like, ooh, something bumped. That's scary. I don't like gore. I don't like straight up horror. And that's funny to hear because, you know, I was born on Halloween. But that's true. I'm just, I just don't like that kind of horror. Yeah, and seeing I, people in pain is not Yeah, I, I don't like what passes for horror these days. I mean, come on, just do something a little spooky. Woo, that's kind of creepy, whatever. But, you know, it's it's funny. There were little tips from the show. I can't remember if it was a... I know it's a hotel now. I can't remember what the whole story was, but uh, the, the princess and some of her little lines. <laughs> How did that go? What is this contraption? Yeah, that was one of those cool evps on the show and of course i'm still a skeptic but oh yeah i had that show i mean that was one of the shows you and i both had an absolute blast with i like the people you know as much as you can sometimes there are well there's drama no matter what whether it's real or scripted whatever but it's just something fun to do to pass the time yeah Obviously, sound plays an important role in this episode, and we did some of our own foley work, from thumps to sounds of footsteps and dragging a body across the floor. You really seem to love that part, to the point that you kind of took over some ideas for the sound engineering. Let's chat about that a little bit. How did you come about that, and what triggered you to be like, let's do this? 
I really just, you know, I expected you to have us reading lines. I didn't, and I know every once in a while you do something like dropping keys into a bowl to show that someone, you know, is home or shutting a door. But actually the, the dragging the body part, I didn't even know what you were, I, I understood the history behind it, like what it was supposed to represent. I didn't know how you were going to use it though. And that, that was the weird part is figuring out, okay, you need this. What's it going to be for? What are you going to do to it in post-production? And uh, how do we achieve that? Because we live in a modern apartment with carpeting. Yeah, and it was actually kind of funny because in the original script, uh, I had the main character set up several recorders. And he mentioned that he set up you know, his little portable recorder out in the living room. And that was actually where it was going to be captured, the sound of the, the footsteps and the dragging body. So I just kind of went just straight up with that. But when I came to the the sound of the body actually being dragged across the floor, since it's kind of Victorian times, you kind of jumped on that. And why, why was that? Well... I actually uh, have bustle gowns and uh, petticoats. And, and why is that? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I do historical costuming and, um, well, I used to anyway. I, I'm hoping to get back to it. But the point is, is I had all these skirts and petticoats and I even almost laced on some old granny boots to um, achieve that, you know, like my heels. He really dragged me across the floor. That was not just him yeah. him dragging like a sack of laundry. That was, that was me. I went totally limp and he dragged me across the ground unfortunately it was on carpet and the um the taffeta petticoat that i had was making more of a zipping noise instead of the dragging yeah, noise you could that, tell it was carpet which you know as a foley artist a lot of what you hear in movies and even on audio isn't actually what you're hearing you know like if you want to make a certain vegetation crunch you don't actually go out and walk in leaves you you know grab a head of lettuce and, you know, start pulling it apart. You know, it's just certain sounds are different. And I knew this, but I thought, well, let's let's give this a try. I've got petticoats. Let me just throw one on. And that was a different sound. So I I, I hate that we don't have hard, hardwood floors because I don't like the carpet to start with. But that was an added annoyance because... We also had to go to the one of the few rooms in this place that had non-carpeted floors, which is the bathroom. And you had to put on shoes that would have hard enough soles to pick up to do your footsteps. So all this was in layers. There are like how many different sound files there just are for that? Five or six layers in there, but then you get those little things that work because you know, we had been out walking and things like that, and it was an old pair of shoes I haven't worn in a while, so they're leather, so they kind of constricted. So some of that stretching sound almost sounded like wood. So, yeah, I mean, there's the sound of dragging Cynthia. There's the sound, you know, some things that we layered into that where I actually was clacking the heel and kind of slamming my toe down because, again, what Cynthia mentioned, a lot of Foley work goes into greater detail and uses exaggerated sounds that the mind has deemed correct mm -hmm. instead of just the muted sound of actually dragging her past. And I, I recall that you actually loaded the sound of you dragging me onto your phone, grabbed some headphones, 
you set up the gear, which is great, you know, and, and and I actually listened to it with headphones on, and I was tickled to hear that it in stereo moved past. A lot of people love that. And um, it was funny because I was concerned about the rhythm of the dragging with his footsteps. So what he did was he listened to the sound of the dragging and tried to repeat that with the... Uh, so he was listening to pre-recorded stuff to get his footsteps down and it really got to be more complicated than it should have, but it was so much fun to the point where I even asked him, it's like, you've told me before there are places that you can upload sounds or download sounds. It's like, can we actually record stuff like that so that we can kind of contribute back to all these people to, you know, like um, podcasters like, oh, yeah, yeah, you just just use this. No problem. And I'm actually kind of interested in that, strangely enough. I want to go record stuff now so that. More people out there, it's like, oh, hey, I need the sound of people crunching through leaves as they walk through a forest. Okay, let's go record that. Yeah, I get a lot of sound from freesound.org. And then there are other sounds that you just can't find or you find something and it's not quite what you wanted. For example, with Purvis, there's the scene where a fight breaks out and somebody kicks a table and you hear some things spilling and glasses tipping over. But the one thing I could not find was a bunch of Dungeons and Dragons dice falling onto a hardwood floor. So I went into the kitchen and just grabbed a handful of dice and poured them out. And Cynthia at one point was like, what, what, what are you doing underneath the stove? And I, I, a couple dice, well, I only thought one die shot underneath there, but dice, of course, since it was in the kitchen, even though I was trying to control the sound. Some dice shot underneath the stove, so Cynthia had yeah, to help me. I think one or two went under the stove. One went under the dishwasher, which isn't deep, fortunately, but he's he's tall and you know, it's not that you're not limber, but you know, let's Oh, I'm not limber. Yeah. I, I can get down on the floor and look under things a little easier. I found dice there and it was like I better look under the refrigerator, make sure there's not another yeah. one under there because he's got a lot of dice, but you know, I, I don't necessarily want pieces of plastic on the floor under things that get hot. Yeah. But speaking of sound, you do all the ghost voices in this episode. You do the wife's fake ghost voices and the real ghost behind it all. How hard was that on your voice? And how did you make the two similar voices, I mean, these ghost voices, sound similar enough but different? Well, first off, <laughs> I just want to point out that he was actually going, we, we record in his study, which is a small room, and that's usually where he records most of his podcasts, audio, fiction, things like that. He thought, well, maybe since this is supposed to be more of an audio drama, let's go sit out on the couch, different room, very wide open. So I knew we would have much different quality. He was trying a different recorder. I was recording all the, the ghost lines. And I will only say that it was one of those, oops, I forgot the, what are they called? The, um, not the pop filter, but the, uh, the windsock sort of. Yeah, we were trying to actually record with a mobile device, the Zoom H6 for the podcast geeks out there. And I totally forgot to put the, you know, it comes with, it's not, well, they call it a dead cat, but it's not. <laughs> Obviously, it's not a dead cat, and it's not the furry thing, but we've all seen microphones covered with the furry thing. This was just a foam thing, kind of like a version for the device that you would see. A lot of times when you see people speaking on a radio mic, they have the foam. Yeah. It's like that, but for the unit. But yeah. I totally forgot something. Yeah, so the microphone was absolutely naked. It was not 
you really don't want to do that. So it, it you could tell it was horrible. Uh, the way I was doing these voices was especially messing with it. It really needed something because a lot of it was actually air rushing past the microphone, especially with the the actual ghost, not the, the not the wives. The actual ghost was mostly air just rushing past the microphone. So we did that. Then there was he he rushed around and then he forgot to hit record on the second take. So the second take was not even a take. I, I mean, never do that. Oh yeah, you know when you when you change something, you have to slow down because that's when you start making the mistakes. Checklists, right? And then the third time was was there a third time we decided that we didn't like the room. We really did want to go back to the actual microphones that we typically use. So we did do that. So it took like four takes. Now, normally, light whispering, air, you know, a lot of that comes from the diaphragm with me. But, you know, you could throat can dry out and get a little tired. I was getting a little irritated and tired like okay dear let's let's make sure we get this take because i'm done today <laughs> well and you were doing a lot of raspy <sighs> yeah the, those final uh demonic get outs were he did put it through um a little bit of a audio filters but i i can really go there if well, i want to yeah and there's a reason a lot of cartoon and video game voice actors are essentially asking Kind of for the voice acting equivalent of hazard pay because, <laughs> you know, if you just do a radio spot for an auto company, you're just speaking in your baritone voice or whatever. But when you're putting a strain on your voice, that really hurts. Yeah, all the other ghosts, like I said, it came from the diaphragm pushing air past the microphone. Yeah, that that last two. And I actually recorded a handful of get outs. I, I like to give people several takes to pick from that shredded my throat. But it, part of it was also because there were so many different takes. We wanted to see, okay, what did we think about using this concept of sitting in a different, and we didn't like it at all. We decided to just go with what we were used to doing. It was fun. I think the weirdest thing is, is I had no idea what he was going to do to the voices. So trying to figure out what to do with, the ghost voices in terms of, okay, how do I, it's it's obviously me doing these, so how do I differentiate? And there was just that, that also that confusion of, okay, whose line am I reading? Is this a ghost voice or is this the ghost voice? And at the time, I, I still wasn't even sure exactly what I was reading. I had to keep asking him. It's like, well, wait a minute, which, which one am I doing here? And I really wanted to get everything done as soon as possible so that it would all match. But because this was an audio drama and not the usual prose story, we had a lot of room to play off of each other. And much of the argument near the end of the story wasn't scripted. We just kind of ad-libbed based on what the other said. Did you enjoy working like that? And do you think that it added something genuine to the story? Well, it definitely surprised me because you didn't tell me beforehand. I'm sitting here. Si we we recorded. I kind of wanted to piss you off a little, so that would come in. Your well, voice. and that was fine. It was more like a "What are you doing, dude?" Because uh, you know, we we both had scripts. We could see what the other was reading. We worked side by side because there's multiple yeah. uh, microphones in here. The thing that got me was he didn't warn me that we were about to go into ad libbing. and he starts arguing and saying lines, and I'm like looking at him like, dude. What are you reading? And, you know, like, what am I supposed to do here? And he just said, he, he did the get, you know, where you roll your hands, like, you know, just go with it. And it's like, I, I just thought for a minute and it's like, 
one thing, you know, podcaster's wife, podcaster's wife, podcaster's podcaster's widow, (laughs) because, you know, he does a couple of things. He writes. Well, first off, he works full time. He writes in not just the novel. He wants to work on short stories. He's got blog entries. And then he has two different podcasts. And every once in a while, he'll also throw out some lines to help other people out. But that's the thing is like, I better be quiet. I can't go out into the living room that's right next to where he records and watch TV like I'd like to actually watch until, you he's, know, done. until he's done because I don't want to have to worry about, oh, did I just clear my throat? And he probably picked that up. So there's a lot of sitting around and waiting. And I, I love him. I support him. I mean, obviously I do yeah. because I'm sitting here doing this and I'm having fun with it. But there is a certain amount of enough already come on and i pulled from that and i did and i am amazed i got that all out in one take he had yeah. no clue that was coming about just sitting around i'm tired of sitting around i'm waiting for you and i'm just not gonna do that and it was essentially the wife's revenge on so many levels i mean obviously that wife is different than my you know story you know i don't work a full time jo- job to support him so he can record podcasts of recording other podcasts and interviewing each other but yeah i did take a i did take some shots at some of the uh more entrepreneurial podcasters who aren't really entrepreneurs because i'm not going to say that i'm an ass like that but i just thought that it would be funny to make fun of that. I mean, there are some people who do kind of positive life podcasts that I may not listen to, but Hey, that's great. But when you are just so fake and just doing it solely for the money and the listens and the fame, it's like going to something bigger, like acting at that point. So, you know, some of that snotty old 20 year old punk in me kind of did come out in some of that. And then like Cynthia said, some of the living with a creative person kind of came out with her because we both we've both done this to each other don't bother me i am drawing for the next hour go away cynthia is an artist and then you know it's with me it's the just five minutes and then we'll go out and do something and then like an hour or two (laughs) yeah five minutes is an hour to a creative person just so you know the (laughs) translation there is not exact and you know you also have to be able to make fun of yourself. I mean, a lot of it too. Oh, you I and of some of your other I'm friends. Such a skeptic. Yeah. And I well, and it's not just that. I mean, you know, the whole podcast thing. I, he has a thing about microphones. It started off with this microphone, and I'd go, "Okay, <laughs> this is it, right?" And he'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, this works." And next thing I know, there's a mixer in the house, and then another, you know, like a, a I don't the know, noise gate, the noise the, uh... gate, and there's more microphones. And then I caught him. Another time talking to somebody about another microphone he wanted to get, and I just shot him a dirty look like, and where are you going to put those two, you know? Because I know you're going to have to at least buy two. It's going to just be one. It's going to be the Shure SM7B. I I like these guys that you've got right now, the Audio Technicas. Yeah, the ATR2100s. These are great Now, the stands, you know, are huge, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, I figured, you know, they could be a little bit mobile, but I'm not as mobile (laughs) as I thought I would be. But did you, well, we kind of talked a little bit about it with the argument. Did you worry that people would mistake, and this is something so many authors, they have certain characters who do things in books that people think they associate the author's feelings with characters. Did you have any concern that people might mistake the characters arguing as a mirror for how we are with each other? 
I admit that I was even kind of like, are you sure you want to take some of these little pokes? Because, you know, I actually worried more about that because it's like I'm over here saying, you know, little parody name versions of people that I don't even know who the heck they are, because I'll be honest, I don't listen to podcasts. I, I don't. There's another. I barely listen there's an, to There's an audio drama friend we've got out there, and I, I love listening to some of his stuff. You know, I, I'm just, I'm very particular, too. I, if it doesn't sound good for starters, I won't listen. Um, but, you know, I also just don't like to hear people talking too much, which is, I know, hypocritical. Here I am talking, you know, with him. And yeah. there you go. We're interviewing each other. <laughs> but the point is, is I, I don't think I even cross my mind that anyone would think, oh my gosh, you, you two sound like that. If anything, I was more like, oh man, I was trying to make the wife sound a little annoying and oh man, I don't really like the, in fact, I hope I don't sound as annoying just speaking, but because I've had a few drinks on me, but I, I was worried more about things like that. Like, oh man, I can't stand the way I sound. And I, I like the ghost voices. Don't get me wrong, but the wife voice kind of drove me a little nuts. And I was more worried about things like that than it, it didn't even cross my mind that somebody would go, oh, my gosh, do you and your husband argue about this sort of stuff? Because we've always done joke. Like I used to draw for Christmas cards. I, I think there was one time I drew um, a cartoon of myself chained to my drawing table drawing and it bothered family members. And I was like, you didn't see the joke? Yeah. I mean, I, I draw all the time. I mean, yeah, I and the, but that was the thing. It was more of a joke. It wasn't that I saw myself as you enslaved know, to art. Enslaved to art. It was just my gosh, that's you know, you guys wonder where I am all the time. I'm there. It's like well, <laughs> what TV show? I don't know. I'm busy drawing. I mean, so if anything, I just it was just another part of a creative outlet that this is what we did, you know, acting. Yeah. Yeah, and it was making fun of ourselves a little, and it's making fun of creative processes. And the fact that we can do this in a home now is pretty remarkable. And, well, I mean, a lot of the stuff with making fun of people and ourselves in this, I am a huge skeptic. I have always been a skeptic since I was a kid, drove my mom nuts. And, you know, for example, there are little things in there where, in the past, in real life, you know, I'd sit down and I'd watch Ghost Hunters with Cynthia, and it was like, <laughs> okay, I, I need to shut up because she's having fun. Because Cynthia really does watch Ghost yeah, Hunters for the history. Right, that line, that line about how I watch it for the history, that actually is a quote, dead on. Because, yes, I know that Fort Ticonderoga exists, but that other little fort and that weird state over there halfway between that and Washington, D.C., I didn't know existed. And the thing that would annoy me is I'd be sitting there going, oh, my gosh, another place to visit. Oh, my God. Do you see this place? And it's, you know, oh, man, look how cool this is. And he'd be going, ugh, ugh, you know, yeah, and then I wouldn't be able to hear what they were saying because he's so busy doing his skeptic ranting. Yeah, it's oh, okay, they're in a place and ooh, the batteries have drained. And then I'm like, okay, if these guys consistently say that draining batteries are ghosts trying to manifest themselves, then why don't they go out there and buy a battery of car batteries, come in with like two dozen car batteries, you know, and just have this brick of 24 batteries and be like, all right, ghost, here's your juice form. 
So, you know, Cynthia does put up with what, a lot. Right, because meanwhile, while he's doing that, I'm going, shut up, shut up. Oh, my God, these people are so lucky. They get to run around a museum in the middle of the night. This is like a weird obsession I've had since I can remember. I've, I used to be um, – I'd go into a, a city and look up at the, the office buildings and go, man, those people in there cleaning the offices are so lucky. I'd love to be inside that building right now when it's empty and the lights are dim. I don't know. It's it's a weird thing I've always had, but it's like these these guys are actually in a museum wandering around wherever they want to go at night. The lights dimmed, and I'm like envious. Yeah, they're, and he won't shut up. They're urban explorers. There who you have go. Permission. They're yes, not, they're not trespassing. They were asked to come there, man. I mean, that's cool. Anyway, I want to ask you some questions now. Okay. Obviously, I don't pay any attention to. The podcast stuff and you know i don't know the exact detail of what makes an audio drama and what makes audio fiction but i have heard you and others mention that this actually crossed the line into audio drama and it wasn't your usual episode of not about lumberjacks where you just read fiction what do you mean by that if you think about back in the 30s and stuff when they had the radio dramas where there was Foley stuff, and you might have a narrator at most, but you didn't have blah, 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 he said, blah, 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 she said. You'd have the narrator come in, set the mood, you know, Chicago, whatever, night, rain, and you'd hear the rain. And then they would come in, and it was just straight dialogue and actual acting. When I read something like Purvis the month before, it was a straight-up short story being narrated. Narrated. This was more... Yeah, I guess the big difference would be one person generally narrating an actual prose story, much like you would do with an audiobook, versus an actual production where there's some... Not that you don't do voice acting with a prose story, but the dialogue carries this. If you, if you listen to this story, you listen to strange audio, there's not a descriptive passage other than some of the narration, but it's not like, you know, so-and-so entered the room and he said, she said, it's just straight up. Hey, I'm editing a podcast and I hear this weird voice and I want to capture this. And then it's just straight dialogue and action instead of actual prose. Yeah, because, you know, most of your stories where you read all the way through and he said, she said, I did Horace, all the voices, and I I did a lot of character voices on that. How would you compare it to something like Standstill, though, where you and I both did, you know, we did the husband and wife on it. It was still read as a story, but do you find a bit of an awkwardness with those kinds of stories, or do you like those? I'm just curious. I'm actually kind of adding this in. Yeah, with Standstill, it was kind of neat because I know that you felt kind because with Horace, you were doing technically a male voice, but it was an African gray parrot that's been around for centuries. In the case of Standstill, there were those passages that you just didn't feel like doing, hey, 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 like, you know, I'm a woman doing a male voice in much the way that 
I don't try to do a female voice if there's a female character speaking in a story that I'm narrating. I actually went and redid the passages where the characters in Standstill are actually talking to each other to eliminate the he said, she said, and turn those little sections of just four or five lines of dialogue essentially into an audio drama where you didn't need to say he said, she said, because well, you yeah. hear the voice. The difference in voice is obvious. Yeah, Sometimes you don't even need to do voices to right. be able to do that. Well, because Strange Audio is an audio drama, how did you approach it from a writing, a, excuse me, a writing and production point of view? I knew that I wanted to do something that was just a straight up audio drama because I'm good friends with Rick Coast, who does nothing but audio drama right now. He used to do a show called Evolution Talk, which was about evolution. And he worked with a lot of different voice actors and it was a science show. And the production on it was actually what inspired me to want to do a show with a lot of production. And then consequently, Not About Lumberjacks made Rick want to begin doing (laughs) stuff. And he did a show called The Behemoth and he did Scotch. Right now he's doing a thing called Briar Lane. Listen to it. Briar Lane is fun. Yeah, Briar Lane is just absolutely wonderful. I mean, the Behemoth was fun too, but I'm really enjoying Briar Lane. It's yeah. just, I, it can't come out fast enough. Yes. So I approached this much differently. It was actually funny because I had to go to Los Angeles for work for a week and I was kind of knocking around some ideas. And then just all at once, the first night that I was there, I kind of wrote down on note cards what I wanted to happen. And because I didn't have to really sit there and think of as much about foreshadowing, I mean, there is some things where in uh, the story where it's like, oh, okay, so some of the stuff that he was finding historically about his room was real. And, (laughs) you know, his wife was doing this other thing, but that was pretty basic. Whereas a usual prose story, I put a lot more into it. So I went out to L.A. with just some note cards with some kind of they were like little beat cards where, okay this happens, this happens, this happens here. The wife is doing this. And I was able to just write straight dialogue down, which was much like doing screenplays and stuff. And because of that, I knocked out twenty two hundred words in a night and I only had to touch up a few things, it had been a very long time since I completed an entire story in an evening, and it was completed at the uh, LAX Hilton. Well, you know, for the people who don't know, as as we mentioned before with the dragging scene, that, I mean, you may have even missed it if you weren't listening closely. There were so many tracks involved just to make that one little background sound. And a lot of people don't understand that even a basic, uh, you know, like your men in gorilla suits with you and your um, partner, Sean, there are easily two tracks there. Then you have the intro, the outro music, you know, anything else that you might include. Now, for your regular narration, obviously, you can just read a story as is. You might throw in something like if you talk about how angry you were and you slam a book down, you're going to add that little sound. You don't necessarily put every sound in there. So your usual episodes are easier in a way because you can just read that story or work with a single narrator. But how was working with other voice actors? And we had quite a few, and some of us were doing multiple voices. Putting that together for more of a, you know, was it more of a production? You know, 
is it worth it to you? Is yes. it something that you would even want to do often enough? I mean, I, I can't even imagine. It's something that I enjoyed and it is something that I wanted to, I would want to do again. And I'm fortunate to know Rick Coast because Rick truly works with, you know, almost any show he does has four or five people that are truly doing voice acting and really putting it in. And with Briar Lane, for example, he wanted everybody to be a British native. So he has a guy interviewing an older woman. He found another really great voice actress who's able to do the voice of that character when she was young. So Rick does these whole things where it's a true big production. And it's fun because I did it with this. We have done a little bit. And when I did the other side. There's all the different orc voices. (laughs) But in this case, yeah, I had a lot of fun working with other people. There is, I will say that as long as it could take me to put together a very involved episode like Purvis, it's still easier than managing this person's vocal. You know, it's here is my vocal track. Here is Cynthia's vocal track. Fortunately, we were recording at the same time, but then here's Rick's vocal track. I've wrote a little bit more because a guy that I work with named Rocky Westbrook is doing some voice stuff, and I wanted to give him more than just one line. It's good experience. Yeah. You, so. you learn, and, and it's neat because, uh, for example, you know, I even recorded a line for Rick. Uh, I have no idea when that'll be used. It, it was that'll fun. be after Briar Lane. Yeah, that's fine. The thing is, is I was actually relieved, too, because you never know. I mean, there are so many different uh, recording qualities, microphones, uh, mixing. Uh, We gave I I think we gave him the raw footage and I was relieved to hear that he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this works because that's the other thing. You have somebody in California and he's recording lines and you're crossing your fingers that you can even use what footage he sends you. So there's even that mixing everything together so that it matches. Yeah. That is one of the things where it's, if you have people doing, you know, characters speaking in the same room, you do have to tweak some of the amplification. Sometimes you'll even put sort of this, ground level background sound of the room just to trick the mind into thinking both people are there with the uh, story that I did earlier, the other side, it was easy to kind of mask some of the, because Rick did a voice, Sean Kupfer. I, I work with Sean weekly on a podcast called men in gorilla suits. And then my friend in California, Mark Hosick in the middle of the night is Recording orc voices and doing a great job. But matching all of that up was really, really a difficult thing. But fortunately, that scene, there was a chase. So there was also armor rattling. But something like the scene with Rick and Rocky doing their voices, it worked out well because both of them went and were able to get really crisp sound I was able to strip out some of the room echo. Plus, since they were on television, yeah, I was you, able to rip out some of that. To make of, it sound muted. Yeah, to get that muted sound like my character had just walked in while Cynthia's character was watching television. 
I was able to kill some of the low-frequency sounds, so they both sounded like they were on television. I, I have the utmost respect for anybody who can do all this, even just your most basic stories. Obviously, it's a chore because, like I said, not only are you writing these stories, but you're also – it has to be nice, though, to go back – like, I'm sure your next one will probably be just you back here when I'm sleeping or playing Lotro or something. Yes, it'll be the one-year anniversary of <laughs> Not About Lumberjacks. And trust me, it's a story that's not about lumberjacks. But the, the point is, it'll just be you. If yes. it's late, it's all on you. It's not because of other people. So I imagine it's nice to go right back to that, though. And as a writer... It's your voice. It's it's yes. not on anyone else's shoulders to carry it. You don't have to make it this huge production as if it were truly a radio or TV or movie. You bring up an interesting point with that, though, because in my head, I hear certain things a certain way. But I don't want to be stifling and be one of those, essentially an audio director who's... <laughs> who gets sound files and says, well, you didn't read that the way I wanted it read. For example, when we recorded Horace, your version of Horace was not at all what I en- I envisioned. And I was like, well, you know, I'm going to just let her go with it. And it worked out better. And the same thing, anytime that I've received sound files from friends, I will say that Sean Kupfer, straight up, did some of the most terrifying voice work. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. I got to alter hear some it. of these raw files. Yeah, Sean actually put his minor in drama <laughs> from a university. I think it's the University of Nebraska at. I can't remember which which one he went to, but Sean terrified us with his voice track, and it's that kind of thing where. If you ask people to help you on an endeavor, you need to let them kind of have, you know, if somebody came along and was like, well, no, I want to play this character is, you know, totally something different, then you have to say, well, no, but you do have to let people have fun and have some say in it. And because of that, the little scene with Rick and Rocky, Rocky gave me so many different voices and it really works well for the parody of Ghost Hunters because Rick has Rick was born in Massachusetts. He grew up around Boston, lives in New Hampshire. Rocky's got kind of just kind of like my voice. You hear him and you can't say this is a person from this particular place. But he was so excitable doing that. That enthusiasm. Oh, wow. And it was truly like an episode of Ghost Hunters. So if I had told Rocky, no, you need to play it like this, and you need to play this like this, or you needed to play Horace like this, first, why would you want to work with me? And second, that kills a certain excitement that comes through in the voice. Well, and there are certain things, too, like, um, you know, know, I've read some lines, and I always try to read a few versions of what I'm given to the word. But sometimes it's like, I'm not being arrogant, but sometimes when you're writing, sometimes you forget that there are things like even just one or two words you might have left out that it's like, this doesn't seem as natural a reaction. Then I'll throw in a few lines of like what I feel if I had done truly as that character, I'll give them a few more lines like that too. 
And, you know, sometimes it works. Sometimes it's like the person's like, oh, my gosh, I didn't even think about that. And it's just it's nice to give a variety of things because you never know. The first two takes might have been crap, might not work. But uh, speaking of uh, writing and stuff, we're starting to go long here. So I'm just going to ask you this last one. You used to write scripts. When we met, we both worked at a small comic book company and you later moved on to screenplays. Did writing Strange Audio remind you of those days or was it different? There was a little bit of a memory of script writing and I missed it because I, you know, I would love for something to happen with the novel that I'm currently working on, obviously past novels, but I'll be honest, one of the reasons I, everybody wants to be a successful novelist for fame, for all this. And, you know, the likelihood of that is just ridiculous. If I ever made it as a successful, famous novelist, sure, that would be nice to tell the story. But I would then hope that I had enough clout to get together with some old friends who never stopped doing comics and do some comic work because Cynthia mentioned, we met at a small comic book company. She was an artist. I was a writer. And there is just something about comic books and screenplays and that type of a format that's really satisfying. I'm not going to sit here and say it's easier because it's not. They're two totally different things. But you can generally complete a script quicker than you can a novel. In a weird way, you don't pour yourself into, even if it's a serious script, it's usually not going to be as emotionally draining as an emotionally draining novel. Some people may disagree with that, but I mean, novels are a totally different thing. So working on Strange Audio did remind me of in part because I knew we'd be working together, too. It did remind me of the comic book days. It kind of reminded me of screenwriting and stuff like that, especially because when I wrote the draft, it was just the dialogue that mainly carried it. Yeah, and I have to say, too, um, you know, I obviously got handed the script in a couple of different formats, and early on, I kept having to ask him, it's like, what's what's going on here? Because... It was meant to be read as a script, but he didn't actually. I didn't do the script direction. He did not do that. Yeah, right. When in the past, I've always been handed scripts when I'm working with him in that sense. You know, obviously, you know, I've been handed many short stories and novels. And the interesting thing was the confusion with the two different ghost voices, as I mentioned earlier. I didn't know which one was truly the ghost and which one was the wife messing with him. And I actually told, I handed it back to him and said, rewrite this. Yeah. And at that point, I really looked at it more as a script because like I said, I knocked it out in a night in a hotel in Los Angeles. And I think it grew. I mean, I think you kind of knew it would be an audio drama, but I don't think you quite planned it to be quite as complex i do like that the first script that i've essentially written in years was written in los angeles (laughs) but no you were right because at that point i was thinking okay and i'm not going to do it like a screenplay script i'm going to go more of the stocky blocky comic book script because you read my comic book scripts before you met me right right so that's kind of what i went for when you 
said, this isn't as clear. It it was a complicated story because you didn't have it as wife ghost voice. You just had ghostly voice, but it wasn't even marked that way. We just knew that it was supposed to be read as a ghost voice. But I don't even think we had sat down at the time and said that, yeah, there's going to be two different ways of speaking to make the voices. I don't even know if they came across as distinct enough, but in my mind, there was. I mean, because I did two different voices they were very different when i recorded them and i needed to know that because there were actually a, a during the first run or so i was actually reading the wrong voice and going well wait a minute you said ghost voice and it's like well no this is the wife recording yeah. and it's like well i didn't know that so i need to go back and redo these voices no but it i had an absolute blast doing this i will probably try to do one to two straight up audio dramas like this a year because it was fun and I would love to actually do something that's more in line with what Rick Coast is doing where there's more voices and a bit more of a production all over the place and actually learning how to manage that better because Rick is the person to ask because he's doing stuff that few people are doing. And I'd like to help too. I mean, I never planned on doing voices. You're a better manager stuff than I am. Uh, well, you know, but the, but the thing is, is you were the one that bought audio equipment and then you just shoved me in front of it and said, hey, can you read this like an NPR type person? Yeah. And next thing I know, I'm recording stories like ghosts and parrots. But the point is, is, you know, I'm up for it. So yeah. And we know plenty of people who are up for it and it's a blast I think the thing I like more than anything about Strange Audio, and even when we did Horace and Standstill, is you and I have not collaborated as much on projects. And that was, I I used to love, I mean, we'd work in a warehouse, come home, and we'd work on things together. And it's a blast working with you on a project again. Well, I appreciate it. And you know, I've got a little side project for just giggles and stuff down the line yes so you know you you owe me that so i can get to work on that and have fun with it but it's not an audio thing so well thank you for always putting up with the just five more minutes and more than that thank you for always lending your lovely voice and i'm not just saying that people really like your voice well thank you because sometimes i don't like my voice but and and thank you for letting me be one of your first readers on a lot of things and i speaking of which need to read about next month's story which is called the art of the lumberjack but it's not about lumberjacks thank you for listening to not about lumberjacks and behind the cut theme music for behind the cut is a tune called reaper by hrazen A huge thank you to Cynthia Griffith, Rick Coast, and Rocky Westbrook for their voice talents this episode. To learn more about Cynthia, visit cfgriffith.com. To learn more about Rick and what he's up to, visit modernaudiodrama.com. You can learn about Rocky by going to the Internet Movie Database and searching for his name. That's Rocky, and the last name is spelled W-E-S-T-B-R-O-O-K. And visit nolumberjacks.com for information about the music, episodes, and voice talent. In honor of one year of Not About Lumberjacks, I keep with tradition and I refuse to tell a lumberjack story. In a few weeks, 
When Eric Nilsson has a minor heart attack and is forced to take some time off of work, he finally reads a book left to him by his father much earlier in life. What he finds hidden among the pages changes his life forever. Until next time, be mighty and keep your axes sharp.